Santa Claus. He brings presents to all good boys and girls. Santa Claus only brings presents to them that's been good all year. To the ones that ain't done nothing naughty. All the naughty ones. He punishes. What about you, boy? You've been good all year? You see Santa Claus tonight? You better run, boy. You better run for your life. Happy holidays, horror fans, and welcome to Ho Ho Horror Movie Podcast, where we are dead serious about Christmas horror movies. In Horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror movie discussions and reviews for classic films and new releases. This is our ninth annual day of Christmas show. Wow, nine. That's hard to believe. Right, <laughs> It's the most wonderful time of the year. And yes. This Christmas episode is brought to you by Shudder, the Netflix for horror. You can try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com and use the promo code HMP when signing up. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and the promo code HMP. We are your horror hosts, The Wolfman. Dave, Dr. Shock Becca. It was great to talk to you. How is your holiday season going so far? So far, so good. Um, every year, it moves quicker and seems a little less like a holiday. Yeah. Um, you know, working a lot, and now it's, it's the last week. So um, this is when it gets crazy at work. Uh, and it, it does. It just... It just Every year, it just feels a little bit less like Christmas. And both of my kids are older now. They're both in their 20s. So it's a little bit of a different vibe than it was even 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, wow. If they were in their 20s, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, both of them. I guess this is our ninth annual show, so it's... uh... Right. (laughs) Back when we first did it, the first one, it would have still been something pretty cool. Yeah, um, so, yeah, we, and it's interesting because, you know, we moved out to Virginia and, and this is great, like it's a more inclusive place and so, you know, they're, they're more concerned than they were in Utah about, hey, not everybody necessarily celebrates Christmas, but the downside of that is they don't do a lot of fun things at school this time of year or even Halloween, like they, like in Utah, the kids would dress up at school and have like a Halloween parade and out there they're like yeah not everyone celebrates halloween so we're not doing anything and like i'm just so used to all of october like halloween artwork coming home and all right. of December christmas artwork coming in christmas concerts and even if they're just holiday winter concerts i'm fine with that but they don't have that kind of stuff in at least where i'm at now in right. alexandria so it's kind of weird it's taking some getting used to for me and it just has not felt very Christmassy, but you know, also a part of that is, um, you know, we just barely flew back across the country for to start celebrating Christmas on the twentieth. So you know, it's pretty late in the season, and we went out and Griswold did a, a Christmas tree. That was fun the other day. Went out nice. and <laughs> kicked out into the mountains and cut down a tree. That was a lot of fun. Um, I watched Scrooge on the airplane over here, so that kind of started getting me in the holiday mood. But very cool. Yeah, not not. I don't know. It's weird. It is weird. It's weird how these things change as you, as you get older. Maybe it is. It is. Maybe when strange. we're grandparents, uh, it'll it'll start feeling like that. You know, little it kids. It will. I think. I think that'll grandkids. be that'll be the next one. As soon as as soon as the uh, <laughs> as soon as the grandkids come in, it'll be special again. It's yeah. you know, there's something about with with kids. That's kind of it. Really, is what makes how uh, Christmas so so enjoyable. 
yeah. just seeing the kids and the excitement and, and everything else, it, it adds a lot to it. It really does. Yeah. No, yeah. And I think that is a big part of the holidays for sure. All right. Well, okay. So we are going to do a Christmas episode here on this episode. Uh, we're focusing on two films. One is for our Shutter sponsored Screaming Online segment. And that is The Advent Calendar. And the other is a film we've been planning on talking about for quite a while, but it was always going to be part of a creepy kids episode that we never got around to. Um, and that is The Children, which is really one of the, I, I, not to get ahead of ourselves, I don't know how, what you're going to think of it, but I think it is one of the kind of the Christmas horror classics and so i'm glad we're finally getting a chance to talk about it so i'll see we'll see how you feel about it but other film i wanted to talk about um as i was looking through what shutter's christmas offerings were this year um i stumbled upon screams of a winter night which is a film i had never heard of before it's from 1979 it's directed by james l wilson and written by richard h wadsack and it's kind of a precursor to, you know, I know what you did last summer slash mm. legends kind of vibe. It's, it's, and, and actually it's a scare me, which made my list last year, right? Um, which was the, you know, the people telling ghost stories in the cabin. Uh, this is kind of a similar deal. You know, it's people sitting around telling each other scary stories on a winter's night in a remote cabin. Um, and, you know, and then we get to see those stories play out and uh, and then, you know, they may or may not find themselves in their own creepy situation as the evening continues. But I think oh. it's it's fun. Like it's I think if you haven't seen it, it has a it's 79, but it has a very 80s movie feel to it. And, I mean, you know, and 70s like it just it feels very much like that kind of like first Friday the 13th kind of vibe. And mm-hmm. it, it's very PG. I'm not sure what the actual rating is. I, oh, it is PG. Yeah, because I it felt like, oh, is this a made-for-TV movie? Like, they went out of their way to kind of avoid some of the things in, by the 80s we would have expected to see in this kind of film, right? And But they, they really, it seemed like they were going out of their way to, like, sidestep some of those types of things. But, wow. um, you know, it's cheesy, and it's, you know just goofy and it's silly and and there are well-worn horror cliches but again it's 79 so a lot of these urban legends weren't you know they'd certainly not been on film before you know they may have been worn in the you know in the in the public mind but you know you get a lot of those like the classic uh you know lover's lane story and i think they even tell this in both I know you did last summer and Urban Legends, if I'm not mistaken. But the you know the 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 guy hears a noise and gets out to investigate, and then the the girl's in the car and she hears like a scraping on the roof. You know that that old tale that's in here and it's taken totally seriously. No, you know meta twists on that story or anything. But you know, it's 79. So um, I don't know. It's kind of fun. It's a it's right. a fun way to pass the time. It's not particularly wintry i mean it's it's shot in the mountains you know and certainly like a late fall or late winter one of the two there's not snow on the ground though so i don't know it always kind of bugs me in these movies like why not just you know wait around get get a couple exterior shots of snow and right (laughs) we'll really make these feel a lot more wintry but unless it's set in australia like yeah. Red Christmas, when when it's basically their summer. When yeah, Red when Red Christmas, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, Screams of Winter Night. It was fun. I think if you like those kind of like, uh, if you can imagine what a kind of a cheesy '80s horror movie would be, but rated PG, um, I think you'd like it. I mean, I I, I think you'd, I think you'd enjoy it, Dave. And it's nice. on Shutter right now. It's I'd give it like a six out of ten, and I'd say stream it on Shutter. Okay. When you first mentioned you were going to be reviewing this, I didn't realize it was an older movie. Yeah. I was thinking it might have been a more modern one. So 1979. Wow. Yeah. And I'd never heard of it. So that kind of surprised me. And I don't know if it is. Um, I, I noticed that when I looked on Letterboxd that a few of our you know listeners and friends had had rated it as well. And I don't know if um, that's just because it's on Shutter now. And so people are seeing it or if this is just a movie that I had overlooked along the way. Um, well, if you overlooked it, I did, too. So yeah. I haven't seen this one or even, I, I don't even, I don't even know if I've heard of this one. Oh, great. Well, yeah, I'm looking here on letterbox. Let me just pull up some of the listeners. Um, 
Let's see, Sarah watched it, did not rate it. And then we have ratings from Mangloid, Ian West, Dylan Brown, Eric Yvonne, and the Matsitologist. And they all gave it a six out of ten, same rating that I gave it. So nice. Yeah, pretty. So it's a, I think it's a fair bet that, you know, people who are into kind of the older schlocky stuff can give it a, a watch and enjoy it. Awesome. Um, Matt just wrote a pretty lengthy review, actually. He says, I'd give it a week recommend. So, um, yeah, maybe a low priority rental. But again, yeah, if you're just kicking around and you feel like watching a 70s or 80s horror film that you may have missed, this would be one to check out for sure. Very cool. Great. All right. Well, then at this point in the show, we will just go ahead and write, move directly into our Shutter-sponsored Screaming Online segments. Welcome to the holiday edition of our Shutter-sponsored Screaming Online segment. Shutter is the best streaming service for horror, thriller, and supernatural films and series. So, of course, they're closing out the year with a stocking full of holiday horrors from favorites like Black Christmas and Better Watch Out from our good friend Chris Peckover to new exclusives like The Advent Calendar, which we'll be talking about here in a moment. December also brings new sci-fi monster movie Death Valley, a new episode of The Last Drive-In special with Joe Bob Briggs called Joe Bob Ruins Christmas. <laughs> and uh, along some new episodes of, of some of the uh, series that they've got going there. So a lot of good stuff right now on Shudder. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense films for $5.99 per month or $56.99 per year. And if you use our special code, you can extend the normal seven-day free trial to a 30-day free trial. So other than supporting the show, that's a great reason to use our promo code. Costs you nothing extra. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment on the planet. That's why we call it the Netflix for horror. Unlimited access to stream ad-free on all of your favorite devices. That's Android devices, Apple devices, Xbox, Amazon Fire, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. So, without further ado, let's get into my personal experience with Shudder this month, and that is my streaming uh, of the advent calendar from 2021. Respecte toutes les règles jusqu'à l'ouverture de la dernière fenêtre, sinon je te tue. Attention! T'en avales un, faut les avaler tous. Jésus dit au paralytique qu'il lève-toi et marche. Tu devrais arrêter avec ce calendrier, ça va te rendre dingue. Tu prends bien tes médocs contre tes hallucinations, tout ça? Je marche. Okay, the Advent Calendar, it was the original title in France, is Le Calendrier, maybe. <laughs> it's been hmm. a long time since my French that I took in high school. So I don't it's been a long time for me, too. I took French as well, and I have no idea what you're saying. It's It's been I, I learned Dutch, and all of the French literally just completely... It was gone from my brain. It was like it never, <laughs> and I took it from seventh grade till my senior year in high school. <laughs> so. Wow, that's not me. I, I had it from freshman year to through junior year, so I had three years of French. Oh man, it's, it, but it, I it, like you, I remember nothing about it. Well, this is from the IMDb description of the Advent calendar. Eva is paraplegic. On her birthday, her friend Sophie gives her a strange advent calendar. It's not the traditional treats you find when you open each drawer, but quirky gifts that are scary and get bloodier. That is a terrible <laughs> description. I mean, it's not wrong, but 
Yeah, not very, uh, not very poetically written. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 um, I got to find a a better IMDb for Mayan as well because I was looking looking ahead and I'm like, okay, this one doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have stuck with Letterbox while I was over there. But, um, yeah. So the Advent Calendar it's written and directed by Patrick Ridremont, and uh, yeah, it stars, um. Eugenie Durant, man, my French pronunciation, I just, it doesn't exist anymore. It's terrible. <laughs> um, she was fantastic, as was um, Honoré Mon- Magnier, who played her friend Sophie. The, those two were incredible. Um, I actually thought the whole cast was strong. And, you know, it's funny because this is totally a gimmicky film. So if this was made by Blumhouse, this would be more like a happy death day or definitely more of a truth or dare. This would be definitely in that category, but because it's kind of like this classy French film, despite being kind of a gimmick, it's actually really good. Like they're good actors. It's shot really well. Like it's the cinematography is beautiful. And so you kind of forget from time to time that you're dealing with such a silly premise, you know, where it's just like every night at midnight, she must open the next slot on her advent calendar and eat a chocolate. And then what (laughs) will happen? You know, it's just like (laughs) ridiculous, right? As a concept, but it was actually really fun to watch. And I think maybe the only thing that held it back for me is that, you know, you're dealing with a full month of days here. So it's like, you know, halfway through the month, it just starts to feel a little bit like a slog. You know, you're like, okay, it's day 13. Here we go. You know, like they, they do play around with the timeline a little, a little bit to try to skip, you know, days here and there. But, um, but you know, it just has that kind of feel sometimes. Mm -hmm. Now there are some twists and turns that they try to start uh, changing things up about an hour into the movie, which I appreciated. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's surprisingly good for what I think is kind of a silly premise or like, you know, yeah, like a silly world that it inhabits. Mm-hmm. I think performances ground it and it is legitimately creepy at times, you know. But basically what you have here is this young lady Eva, she receives as the IMDb's description says, this old crickety wooden advent calendar from Germany. And her friend Sophie brings it to her and her friend Sophie also stole the advent calendar, you know, so she, she didn't even come upon it by, um, by uh, moral means. But this advent calendar says, if you eat the first chocolate, you need to eat all of them or you die. And if you don't obey any of the rules that are laid out as you go through the month, you know, each time there'll be, uh, you know, some sort of task associated with it. If you don't follow those rules, you die. Oh, and if you throw away the advent calendar, and it even opens up with a quote of this at the beginning of the movie, if you trash it, you die. And so there are all of these moments, you know, where obviously our main character is dealing and grappling with, you know, it has a monkey's paw kind of element to it mm. where they, you know, it, it the advent calendar is putting her in some precarious situations. And so, yeah, is she going to get some wonderful things out of it? Yes. But does she maybe have to do some horrible things to earn these great things that are happening to her? Also, yes. So it's that type of film. It's fun. Like, I think most horror fans, if you like modern horror films and you don't mind reading subtitles, I think most modern horror fans would enjoy this type of movie again it is gimmicky it is cheesy but you know especially around the holidays you know we've seen so many of the great christmas horror films so many times because although there are more of them now there still aren't a ton there's still probably under 10 great christmas horror films and so um you know if you need a new one to throw into the mix this is definitely one you can at least watch one year and decide if it's going to be a repeat viewing for you but i think uh it should definitely keep your interest. It's well made. Um, yeah, and I think, I think uh, Dave, I think you'd like it actually as well. And I would give this one a 6.5 out of nice. 10. And I would oh. call it a stream on Shutter. Well, 2021, definitely interested because I'm going to have to start powering, uh, uh, I guess, powering forward with those movies because I, I have to get my uh, end of year list ready and I'm nowhere near ready. No, we have a lot of work to do ahead of us, but yes, um, definitely. I mean, it's it's going to take a little bit of time, 
Um, I don't but, think your list, but if you, you know, if you have some extra time around the holidays, mm-hmm. it, would, it, it would be worth mixing into your Christmas watching schedule. You know, nice. I think it's a fun one. And now you mentioned Greg and Mortis had seen this one as well. He did. And he was uh, quite a fan of it as well. Um, right. He, he, he really enjoyed it. He thought it was, uh, he thought it was very strong. Good. I mean, he Good. was maybe hinting at list material with it. Oh, really? Yes, he was. Well, you know, it's an interesting year. Who knows? You know, right. But it's so funny when you talk about Christmas horror and you see people talking about their favorite Christmas horror. You see Black Christmas, 1974. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night from 84. Gremlins from 84 will make it. So many of these older movies seem to be the go to for a lot yep. of people. It's almost like with Jaws. When you talk shark movies, there's Jaws 1975, and then you got to go down a level or two before you get to the next best shark movie. Yeah. Jaws is always going to be the top. Well, it seems as if Black Christmas, um, you know, and a few others, Black Christmas especially, is always going to be the top. It was the first, and nobody could quite top it, which is interesting. And there have been some good recent Christmas horror movies. I mean, I, I the more I see that uh, Christmas horror story, the, the anthology, the more I kind of like it. But still, yeah. it doesn't quite hit that Black Christmas and some of the movies from the eighties. It doesn't quite. It doesn't quite reach that level. None I mean, of them do. This is my um, what does Joel call it? My sentimental favorite, probably. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think, and you know, and yeah, he's a friend of the show. But I, I say this in all honesty. I think Chris Peckover's Better Watch Out is maybe that's my the one. Yes, I agree with you. That has actually cracked my regular rotation. For the holidays. And I got a lot of stuff that I do watch during the holidays. That has cracked my rotation because that one is the one that's the closest, I think, to to, to have reached that level uh, or at least close to attaining that level of of a Black Christmas or a um, or a Silent Night, Deadly Night. And I hear a lot of um, and to all good night, I think, is a pretty great one, too. No, I hear a lot of. Krampus Love as well. I think that's a film that yep, like uh, it's a fun one. More of a cult classic. You know, it was not as popular when it was released as it's become now. I think. I'm looking forward to seeing the new cut of it, yeah. where they take it more into like R-rated territory. Yes, the naughty cut. Yes. Now I will say this: uh, it's funny you bring that up. We did do a poll of our HMP listeners this past week to ask them what their favorite Christmas horror film is, and we will get to that listener poll. Right after your feature review. But before we wrap up the advent calendar, let me tell people how you can see it. To try Shutter free for 30 days, go to Shutter.com and use promo code HMP. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and promo code HMP. Do something nice for yourself this holiday season. Treat yourself and get a free 30 days of Shutter. Just don't forget to cancel it if you, you know, don't want that renewing in January. But... (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's a it's a good deal actually, and I I really love Shutter. And time and time again, they've had some of our top ten movies of the year, and so I'm be really curious to see if that remains the case this year. And it sounds like for Greg Mortis, maybe it will with the Advent Calendar. Who knows? Right. All right, that brings us to the end of our Shutter sponsored Screaming Online segment, and now we will move to Dave's feature review of The Children from 2008. This is heaven. I feel sick. this world. Now. They will take you out. I think they're really sick. Oh my god, I love you both so much. 
children. The Children, 2008. This was um, uh, directed by Tom Shankland, who also, I think, wrote the screenplay for it based on a story by Paul Andrew Williams. And uh, just looking on IMDb here for a quick uh, synopsis. Uh, Elaine, her second husband, Jonah, her teenage daughter, Casey, and her children, Miranda and Paulie, travel to the isolated house of her sister, Chloe, to spend the new year with her family. They are welcomed by Chloe, her husband, Robbie, and their children, Nikki and Leah. Casey is upset because she's going to miss a party. Uh, she, you know, she was sort of forced to go um, to the relatives. Um, but she really wanted to stay with her friends and, and go to this party. And soon after they arrive, Paulie, the, 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 the young son, vomits. He gets sick. Um, you know, his mother, Elaine, thinks uh, he's sick uh, because of, uh, you know, he's car sick from, from the long journey. Uh, during the night, Nikki and Leah become uh, sick as well. And Leah ends up vomiting also. Um, I'm trying to clean this up a little bit because there's some not great grammar in this. Um, when, uh, the next day, the, uh, the other children become uh, sick. Um, uh, and Miranda attacks Chloe. Robbie then brings the other children to play in the snow. And while they're riding on a sled, well, something happens. And this is sort of the, uh, the start of the insanity uh, that will become uh, the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, sle- that sled ride that, um, was it, Robbie, uh, Chloe's husband, takes. I'll tell you what, a lot of times, you know, when, when, when you hear, when you talk about children in horror, and it comes up with movies like, you know, uh, you know, who would kill a child? Uh, a lot of a lot of movies of that ilk when there are children involved. Right. And and, uh, you know, uh, we have a former host here who was the same way. It's like, oh, I could I could handle a kid. I could handle yep. a kid. I'm not worried about it. I'm not really afraid of kids. This movie challenges that in a big way. And, and for several reasons, I don't think it's even fair to to judge a movie like this because. We, the audience, are clued in that there's something going on with these kids before the adults are. We get the scene with, um, who, who is it? It's, it's um, young uh, Paulie, the first one who's sick, sitting there playing that xylophone in a sort of very, uh, I guess, mechanical way. He's not trying to make music with it, just sort of hitting it and staring yeah. straight ahead. So we know there's something wrong with him. And his his um, his cousin, Aaliyah, you know, goes goes downstairs talking to her mother, saying, "I'm I'm afraid. I'm afraid of Polly. Polly's scaring me." And the mother's like, "Oh, you were looking forward to seeing Polly. Why why would Polly scare you? Go on back to bed." So we, the audience, are clued in that there's something wrong with these kids. You know, early on, the adults yeah. don't know this. So when things start to go south. With that sled ride, it's very easy for us to say, oh, it's the kids. You've got to get them isolated. You've got to do this. Why aren't you locking them in the room? Why aren't you doing anything like this? But you got to look at it from like, you know, it's, it's easy to say if I was being attacked by someone else's child. Yeah, I think I could handle myself. <laughs> when it's your child. When you have that relationship yeah. with your child, you are not going to assume your child has suddenly become a murderer. Right. And you don't get that. What happens in this like, is like, oh, this was a bad back. accident with the sled. What's happening here? You know, it's not until I, I almost as I was watching it, I, I couldn't help but shake that moment in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where Sally and and Franklin are by the van late at night. The other three have gone. Jerry and the other the other two, they're gone. We know what's happened to them. We're saying, get in the van and drive away. But at the same time, we know why Sally can't get in that van and drive away. It is her friends. She will not leave them behind. We know something the characters don't know. And that's what happens in the children as well. We know something that the, the other characters don't know. And you are not. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, they should isolate the kids. They could have, you know, you can, the kids aren't going to scare. 
you are not going to look at your own child and say, have you just become a murderer? Have you just become someone <laughs> capable of killing me? What's wrong that, that this is happening? And when the when they start to realize it, the first one to realize it is, is you know, well, one of the mothers. And she's immediately attacked by the others saying, how could you do this? It's your child. We know she did the right thing or she did what maybe not the right thing. She, we know that she did what needed to be done in the moment with right. what her and her teenage daughter were facing. Yes. But we can also understand why the others don't see that. That's what yeah. this movie is. This is not something that, you know, the, the horror in this is just the fact that these kids, something has happened to them. They are in a way innocent victims, but they have become killers as well. And how you deal with that. I think none of the, none of these people, none of the adults realize what's going on until it's on top of them. So don't hit me with any of this. I can handle a kid. You can't handle this situation. If it's your child, you have that love. You have that bond with your child. You are going to do what you can to try to make them better until you realize you can't make them better. And then you still are going to wonder, even at the end of this movie, with what these characters go through, and there's a little bit of a hint that something's going on with another character in that last shot. But when you think of the surviving characters in this one, a week later, are they going to be beating themselves up for something they did that they might have been the right thing to do in the moment? Yeah. And I think that's one of the strengths of, of this movie is that it, it, it sort of, it sort of challenges that it challenges that, that parent child relationship, um, in a very, in a very big way. I go back and I even think of like a movie like mom and dad that came out back a few years ago, the Nicolas Cage movie Mm -hmm. where suddenly parents are killing their children. I mean, that's almost like the opposite of this movie. Right. You know, but again, in neither movie, we know what's exactly going on. We don't know what started the children on this course. There are hints that you see, but then there's also hints that it's going on elsewhere. You know, this movie is set in England and there's a scene where, uh, the teenage daughter, um, uh, who is it? Uh, Casey is on the f- phone with her friends and her friends like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, her, her young brother's here and he just got sick. So we're taking him home. Well, that's what happened to Paulie. And then we realize later on, this isn't just happening to them. This is not just something happening in that one little area. This is something happening on a wider scale. And you just see everybody. You just imagine everybody having to deal with the same situation in this situation where the, where the children have become killers and they're your children, you can see the kids winning. The kids could win this battle because the parents are not going to fight their child. They're going to maybe try to save their child. They're not going to assume their child has done this. And I think that's really the strength of this movie. As I was watching it, I just kept thinking, you know, that, that you can't, you can't question because then once it's on top of them, they're in shock. All of the adult characters are walking around in what you think is a state of shock where they can't believe what's happening and they try to get a handle on it. And the handle is not let's kill the kids. The handle is, you know, what's happening and let's try to to help the kids. Let's try to figure out what's going on here. I don't know. For me, I, I see I saw it once and I liked it. I saw it a second time. I liked it a lot more. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. If I were to rate it, I would probably come in at a nine out of 10. And I say, this is something you have to see. And it's, especially if you have kids, put yourself in the, the shoes of these adults. Could you look at your child and assume they have become a murderer and do what you, what needs to be done? Well, you know, what, what the audience is shouting at these characters that they need to do. Would you be able to do it? You have to be able to walk that with these characters to understand the true horror of this situation. Yeah, and this is one, it probably wouldn't make my top five Christmas horror movies, but it would make my top ten, as I alluded to at the start of the show. You know, I think it is one of, if you know, if you're someone like me who likes to add some horror into your Christmas uh, holiday viewing, you know, I, th- I think this is one to get. And I remember the same thing, like you said, Dave, I watched it the first time, I rented it, I was like, 
that was better than I thought it was going to be. And then I went and I bought it on DVD, you know, right after that. And it's, it's in my Christmas box. Like it, it comes out at Christmas time with my Christmas movies, you know, nice. I'm surprised that the director, um, what was his name? Tom Shankland has Tom Shankland, yes. more films since then. He's done a ton of TV. I was looking over his IMDb. He did, um, Agatha Christie's Miss Marple series. He did the original British Dirk Gently series. Um, he did a f- several for Netflix and Marvel. He did the the Punisher, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage for Netflix and Marvel, and then House of Cards for Netflix as well. So he's done a lot of work, but I'm surprised this was such a great film that he hasn't um, done more writing directing. I guess. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because on the on the DVD I was watching the special features. I saw the making of. Mm. A lot of the actors um, were talking about his energy. Yeah. That the director's energy really was sort of infectious making this movie. Um, and I think it's sort of filtered down because I think you get some really strong performances in this. You get the two sisters. What are the, I, I, this time through, I noticed the sisters Elaine and Chloe. You know, they're hugging, they're close. These are close siblings. And you get the feeling that they lived a tough life. Their mother was, you know, had some issues. And it bonded the two of them together. But there's still a passive-aggressive relationship between the two of them. Yes. When each one is alone with their spouse, they're sort of dissing on the other one. You know, I thought that was really an interesting dynamic going on there um, because it, it's almost like the, in, in, in uh, I guess, in direct opposition to the kids. The kids seem to be bonding together, whereas the adults are not going to bond together when things get when things go south. The movie sets up that they're not going to have each other's back. I don't know. I, I, I noticed that this last time through. Um, but anyway, back to the director. He he, he definitely, he, everybody respected him, even the kids. He sort of had this relationship with the kids in this movie. Um, to the point that there's, a, there's one of the special features. They go back to his room, the room he was staying in at the hotel. All of the kids made a picture for him that he had hanging on the wall there. They all made this sort of special picture for him. Um, that, that he had, uh, he was like, oh yeah, this was, this one was made by, you know, and he was sort of naming them off. But then he had all of these pictures of older films on there and he was sort of maybe touching on what they, what he drew from them, maybe for this movie, uh, and what inspired him to become a filmmaker. You know, it was really almost like a little museum he had going on there, a little cinematic museum he had going on in that room that he brought with him to make this film. So I think it's very interesting that you mentioned he worked more in TV than he did uh, in movies because this is definitely, this guy was inspired by the cinema. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I have, I if I've seen the special features, it's been a long time. Now, I didn't chime in too much because it's probably been a decade since I've seen this movie, to oh, be okay. honest with you. It's been a while. I haven't watched it since I've had children, actually. Oh, but wow. um, as I said, I do own it, and it's it sits in my Christmas stack, and it's one that I that I revisit, um, you know, in the holidays and, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, based on my recollection, I would give this easily an eight out of 10 and tell people to buy it just based on what I can remember of it, to be nice. honest. Yeah. I, and it's, it, I'd, I'd be real interested to see what, hear what you think on, on a rewatch on a, on a recent rewatch now with, um, uh-huh. you know, now that you're, you're a father, now that I'm getting um, close to teenagers, I can uh, maybe see, you know, have an eye toward killing children will be a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting because the first time I would have seen this, my kids would have been teenagers as well. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it took a second viewing for me to, to get to the point where saying, yeah, I don't know if I could have killed the kid. <laughs> that's so funny yeah all right cool man well um yeah so the children is definitely one to recommend it's funny that it took us so long to get to this one yes because it is i think one of the christmas horror classics to be honest with you and um we have covered if people are wondering who are maybe just joining us for the first time we've covered horror christmas movies for now nine years running and i'm just going to do a run through of these episodes just so people can know where they can find them. And if you go to horrormoviepodcast.com, just on the front page on the sidebar, you can actually find links to all of our Christmas horror discussions. But uh, back in episode five in the year 2013, Dave. 
Wow. This, can you believe we've been doing this this long? I can't, actually can't believe it. I can't believe it either. 2013, yeah, it's eight years. Holy cow. And it's eight years. It's damn near eight years. Because you're right, episode five would have been Christmas. I think it was start. what was it, October of yeah. 2013, I think, is when the show launched. So back in episode five, we weren't really set on doing a Christmas horror movie yet at that point or horror episode at that point yet. Um, we just happened to have watched a lot of Christmas horror because it was Christmas time. So that first year, it wasn't an official Christmas horror episode yet, but we did talk about a lot of snowy films, including Dave's uh, review. Let's see. What are, what are these? We did this thing where it must've been like a horror movie weekly thing where we pick movies for the other people or something like that. Hmm. I don't know. It says Dr. Shock's pick was dead snow, 2009. But then it doesn't have your ratings. It just has me and Jay's ratings. So I don't know oh, wow. back then. Who knows what we were doing back in those days? But right, I can't. I uh, boy, that's that's. <laughs> I don't. I have no. I have no memory of. I don't. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, we did Dead Snow 2009. We did Devil's Pass 2013. Ooh. Silent Night, Deadly Night 1984. Black Christmas 1974. That was our first year out of the gate. That's the that's the one you got to start with. Absolutely. Yeah. The next year, we did one that really surprised me. Um, Jay wanted to do P2, and I did not think I was going to like that movie. Um, but I did. I, yeah, I enjoyed cool. it. We also did Christmas Evil, a.k.a. You Better Watch Out from 1980. Mm-hmm. I think it's a classic. I'm the only one <laughs> in the world, apparently. Well, you know what? I It's funny. I don't know what I rated. Did I rate it then? To avoid is what it says. Right oh, now. my God. You know what? I was way off because I have seen that movie a couple times since then. And I have, it has grown on me in a big way. I can't believe I was, must've been doing that from, I watched it for planet macabre back in 2010. And I must've been remembering that review for it. I don't even know if I rewatched it at that point. I have rewatched it a couple times since then. And I have warmed up to it substantially more to that. I can't believe, boy, I'm embarrassed by that two out of 10. That's awful. <laughs> We did uh, Saint or Sint from 2010, the Dutch film. We did Gremlins 1984. We did Windchill 2007 and The Last Winter from 2006. That was episode 37 of Horror Movie Podcast, our 2014 edition. Um, And then episode 78 was our 2015 edition of uh christmas horror and we that was our krampus year it was all krampus all the time so we started out with rare exports a christmas tale from 2010 we did a christmas horror story from 2015 mm-hmm. and then krampus from 2015 and then there was an extra bonus review of silent night bloody night from 1972 on there as well so that was a that was a great episode that's I think. the first one i remember i remember oh. the especially the review of a christmas horror story yeah, that was a lot of fun. Well, I think that was the one that was like we were now okay. This is something we do. We do Christmas horror episodes, every right? Year. That's that where it's, kind of, that's where that's where we realized it had become the idea a tradition. Is cemented. Yeah, I yeah. think that. Right. Um, our 2016 though, we were like, oh man, we're running low on Christmas horror movies because right. our main review that year was Adam Green's Frozen from 2010, which is almost a stretch to call it a Christmas horror movie. Yeah, but it, I, it's not. It's just, it's set in the snow. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> but it is a fun, snowy, wintry tale. Um, oh, yeah. It, Good Tidings from 2016. ATM, which is actually a fun one from 2012. Mm-hmm. Santa's Sleigh from 2005. <laughs> um, Don't Open Till Christmas 1984. Oh, that oh, was that mean? year. Yeah. That was the review of Don't Open Till Christmas. Okay. And then Adam Green's Frozen 2010. So that was um, that was HMP 107. Nice. And then the next, the following year uh, was a special one for us, episode 136. That was we had Chris Peck over on the show, which was was fun. We and of talking, course, he better watch out. I think that had been um, what a couple months after we saw that um, yeah. at the, at the university. Yeah, with him. So he had already yep. been kind of our guest. But now we actually did a spoiler discussion and, and got into some of the stuff. This was also, you know, I talked about how Advent Calendar becomes kind of a slog. There's this movie, Once Upon a Time at Christmas, that we reviewed. Dave, do you remember that? I don't know if you do. It's the one with the Santa Claus and the elf killing everybody. And it's um, it's the 12 Days of Christmas. I like- vaguely remember that. For some reason, I remember that the director was very big on, on drone shots. 
<laughs> I don't remember that. But I do remember just it being a slog to get through the 12 days. Once you realize they were doing the 12 days of Christmas, you're like, okay. Yeah. Got a lot more of these ahead of us. Right. And that was the year when we reviewed Red Christmas. And I gave that one a four. And that one's one I'm I remember. I remember your review of Red Christmas. Jay and I were much higher on it than you were. You had some issues with it. And I can understand the issues you had with it. Like you, you were, you're basically saying, what is this movie trying to say? Yeah. Is it pro-life? Is it pro-choice? What is this movie? You know, wh- what side is it coming down on? Cause you couldn't really nail it, but then it's oh, interesting because keep going because about? keep, I, I know we're, I know we, you've got another one coming up that where red Quis- Christmas will be mentioned again. That's right. That's right. And so, um, yeah, we did, and we did spoiler discussion for all of these films, by the way, which is kind of rare for our show. We don't right. That is rare. Um, and then we did better watch out with an interview with Chris Peckover. So that was a lot of fun. That was uh, fun. I remember that. I remember that vividly, actually. That was awesome. Episode 164. We did another fun one that we've talked to the director. We did end of the end, the apocalypse, which was, uh, yes. a musical from 2018. Um, and we did all the creatures were stirring the anthology, um, from shutter. If you remember that one, yep. mm-hmm. um, you were really high on that one, actually, especially the one segment, the one segment yeah. set in that parking lot. And then we interviewed Rebecca and David Ian McKendry, the directors of that film. We had them mm-hmm. on the show to talk and then we did silent night, deadly night two from 1987, which is fantastic. And we had uh, Justin beam on to talk about the scream factory release. Yes, that's uh, right. Yeah. So that was fun. And then um, we did some Christmas horror mini reviews. Now this is when we were just like, oh, now we can't get. Now there are just too many Christmas horror movies. Now they're <laughs> coming out of the woodwork. Uh, we did Sick for Toys, twenty eighteen, Elves, twenty eighteen, Sleigh Bells, twenty eighteen, Christmas Presents, twenty eighteen, Mrs. Claus, twenty eighteen, Yule Bloat, aka Christmas Blood from twenty eighteen, which we actually both of us liked that one, the Yule Bloat, um, yeah. and Dead by Christmas, twenty eighteen. Wow. I can't believe yeah. that that is, um, what, three years ago now. I know, right? Yeah, that was uh, that was our 2018 edition, episode, 19, uh, episode 164. And episode 188 was another really fun one. This was the Joel's first Christmas episode on the show. And we did a versus episode, and it was Black Christmas 1974 versus Black Christmas 2006 versus Black Christmas 2019. And I yes. thought that was a really, really fun discussion. It was fun. Um, and then we also, uh, that's when I re- revisited um, Red Christmas and we talked about um, horror movie, A Low Budget Nightmare, the documentary. That documentary really, because that you realized it was more a labor of love than it was a message at that point. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I Trapped to the Devil, which was a fun little indie film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then The Night Sitter, which was another fun little indie Christmas horror movie. Wow. That was a good one. Yeah. And then... Finally, or, you know, up until now, this was another, like, this was one where I thought it was going to be kind of a a bummer year. We didn't have too many movies to talk about, but the ones that we did talk about, and we had kind of a surprise here, we did The Lodge from 2020, which Mm -hmm. I I found extremely depressing and had already talked about at Sundance earlier that year. Right. But then we had, do you remember, Dave, what it was? Elves from 1980. Elves, that's right. That was the Elves episode. That was so, Dan Haggerty. Wow. <laughs> so, so, so much fun. And then we actually did have a bunch of micro reviews that year too. We had Santa Claus versus the devil who slew Auntie Rue home for the holidays, night train murders, lucky stiff. When she was out a cadaver Christmas, the elf and Puka. So a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of Christmas content. That I year. remember, I remember, you know what? I remember those. Yep. I cadaver Christmas. I think I remember kind of liking that one. Yeah. And then we did um, something we hadn't done before, which was, uh, you know, so I like to do these Christmassy ratings where we talk about how Christmassy each of these films are. And um, we did our top three Christmassy horror movie recommendations. So just if you wanted it to feel really Christmassy, you know, and it's maybe not necessarily P2 in that instance, but what would be the ones you would recommend for people to check out if you wanted to watch something that put you in the, in this mood of the season and, uh, Dave's number one was Better Watch Out, followed by A Christmas Horror Story, followed by Krampus. Mine was Better Watch Out, followed by Krampus, followed by Gremlins. And Joel's were Gremlins, followed by Better Watch Out, followed by Tales from the Crypts and All Through the House, both 1972 and 1989. Ooh. 
And then Black Christmas, he, of course, had to tack that on the end. Nice sure. Yep. <laughs> so a lot of good Christmas content. It, you know, if you, I, every year people are like, why don't you guys cover Silent Night, Deadly Night? Well, it's like we, we did all this stuff and it's all there in the archive and you can find it. And we hope you will go back and visit it because we had a lot of fun having those discussions. They were fun. Yeah. And this is all leading up to what are the listeners must see Christmas horror movies. So yes. how um, many votes were there? Last time I checked, it was, I think, around 160 something. That's exactly what it was. 164 votes. Okay, so I got was, it right at the end there. Cool. Was the final? Yeah. Um, it says vote for your favorite Christmas horror movie for an upcoming episode, and I just put two classics and two new releases just to kind of give it some variety, and also the movies that I thought might come in high. And then I said, if one of yours isn't listed here, you know, respond below with what yours would be. Right. Um, and uh, most of the comments we got below were actually related to the movies that were posted in the poll anyway but uh the movies that we gave people were black christmas 74 gremlins 84 krampus 2015 and better watch out 2017 and like you mentioned dave the winner by a large margin was black christmas from 1974 with 45 percent of the vote but by gremlins with 30 percent krampus was 16 percent and better watch out with nine percent shannon schultz responded better watch out is so underrated we agree. I, um, I agree. Yeah. I, I, well, based on the based on the results, I think uh, I think I'd have to agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ian says my favorite is Silent Night, Deadly Night, but Black Christmas '74 is a close second. Uh, Michael Rodriguez says a Christmas horror story. Uh, the Amateur Destroyer says Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, Net Cemetery says only one answer. It's Garbage Day, which is a reference to Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Part 2, right. <laughs> Kane says Krampus. Christine says Rare Exports. Uh, Jordan Allen says, those movies are all great, but man, Better Watch Out instantly became a yearly must-watch Christmas movie for me. I love it. David Fear says Batman Returns and has an oh. image here of Catwoman. Great pick. That's a good pick, Absolutely. Yeah, and then Kelly Fear says, true horror, Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know if I could, uh, no. I don't You're not going to so. co-sign that one? No. Sean Gorman says, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, <laughs> by way of GIF. And then uh, Justin Wallace says, my favorite is Gremlins, but this one is a much-watched, must-watched too, and it's a Christmas horror story, so... Looks like Christmas Horror Story is, like you said, Dave, growing on a lot of people. It's over growing there. on a lot of people. And let me tell you something. I want to throw something out there. And this is, you know, now that we're, we're talking Christmas, I was listening today to Eli Roth's History of Horror, and he had Quentin Tarantino back on. Right. And they were talking um, sequels at one point. And one of the sequels they were discussing was Gremlins and Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Yes. And something Tarantino said I thought was very interesting, and it makes me want to go back and watch Gremlins 2, The New Batch, which I don't know that that one's a Christmas movie. Gremlins, I think, is. I'm pretty sure it, it I, uh, I don't remember now, but it is, some, you know, it's a toy factory. It's a toy company. Okay, yeah, so, and maybe it is set at Christmas time. I might be completely wrong. It might I, be. Know, it, it's crazy that I haven't seen it in so long, but I don't remember it, to be honest with you. The, I, what Tarantino was saying was, is that Gremlins 2, A New Batch, is almost like an airplane type of movie when it comes to the jokes. And what it is, is Joe Dante almost, I guess, um, you know, he's always, like, as, as Tarantino said, he's always kind of a, of a wise guy filmmaker that he did not necessarily take to the success of gremlins gremlins two is his spoof of gremlins it is a straight up comedy spoof of gremlins to the point that phoebe cates even spoofs her story about her father that was in the first movie wow that this is joe dante saying you know, and even taking like the whole idea of don't feed them after midnight, you know, and when, the way Tarantino was putting it, it's like, okay, say the gremlin ate a sandwich at 10 o'clock and it got something stuck in its teeth and it didn't dislodge until 12.05. Would that still qualify as eating after midnight? You know, all of the stuff <laughs> he was looking at that, that Joe Dante's Gremlins 2 
was his spoof of Gremlins and almost like the movie that Joe Dante wanted to make instead of Gremlins. That's so funny. The way the way I remember it happening at the time was hearing that Dante, yeah, really did not want to make a sequel and basically like dared them to let him make a sequel. It's like, oh yeah, you want a sequel? What if I do this? What if I do that? What if I? and then he just kept saying outlandish things and they never told him no. So he just like, all right, I'll just he I'll threw just them go. all in there. Right. It's I mean, so- to then uh, the, the scene where the, the film breaks. Yes. And there's what Hulk Hogan, you got you got um Paul Bartel, you got like all this crazy stuff happening. Yeah, it's full it's uh it's full Looney Tunes. And then, you know, I just recently did Father and Son Watch Horror Movies and Pastor Matt, you know, we were talking about The Burbs, so another mm-hmm. film. And Pastor Matt mentioned um the Key and Peel sketch about Gremlins 2. I don't know if you've seen that, Dave. No, I have not. It it is Hilarious. Uh, I might play a little clip of it here just for the listeners. What about a uh, spider gremlin? You mean a gremlin with eight legs and a thorax just catching pretty ladies in a web in an office building? Oh my God, it's in the movie. I love it. Next. What about a bat gremlin? You mean a gremlin with leathery wings just flying around, flip-flopping, bust through a wall, make a perfect bat symbol in the wall, get outside, get in some wet concrete, jump up on a building and just dry in place like a gargoyle gremlin? We are cooking with gas now. I love it. It's in the movie next. I don't know. A googly-eyed gremlin? But you do know, because you talk about a gremlin whose sole purpose in this film is just that he looks stupid as Yes. It can be in the movie, and it is in the movie. Done. Next. What about you, Silver Fox? Oh, electricity gremlin? You just said noun and gremlin, like you play in Mad Libs. You just like a child. You have the brain of a child. You do not have a high IQ, but you haphazardly came up with a gremlin that's just made out of bolts that is zigzagging all over the room and is done completely in animation. You a crazy person, and your idea's in the movie. Done. Next. Uh, can we put the Hulkster in it? What? You talking about putting Hulk Hogan, professional wrestler, turned actor, turned cultural icon in the movie where he break the fourth wall of the movie he's in by talking to the audience. You, sir, are a raging psychopath. Don't let this down, take that away from you. This is G2, people. And as Pastor Matt said, according to Dante, that wasn't too far off how it actually went in the pitch room. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, basically just some the most outlandish ideas they could think of. That It makes me really want to go back. And I've seen Gremlins 2, the new batch, and I've enjoyed it. But I still didn't oh. think, I said, oh, it doesn't quite match Gremlins. It makes me want to go back and watch Gremlins 2. More than it makes me want to rewatch Gremlins, to be honest with you, because I want to see if it truly is just him riffing on the first movie. Yeah. Well, see, that's one of those things. It's like I I know I liked Gremlins, too, when it came out. I even had the novelization, as I was telling Matt. But, like, um, you know, it has been a long time. It's not one that I'm going to revisit very often. But right. because of Christmas, I revisit Gremlins almost every year. Like, right. rarely does a year go by that I don't watch Gremlins, you know. And you and I had the same reaction to Gremlins, as I recall. It horrified me. And I'm oh, a little, yeah. I'm older than you are, and you were much younger. So I know, I think you said you went running from the theater. Yeah, I, I, we had, I had to be taken out of the theater because I was crying so much. And, you know, my mom warned me before we even went. She's like, you're not going to like this. I'm like, it's, it's, it's like uh, Muppets, you know? It looked like, I thought it was Muppets based on the, on the trailer, you know? Right. And, um, and when they start chasing the mom around... It was too much for me. I had to be. I had to be yeah, for, for me, for me, I connected to that small town. I liked that small yeah. town. And I understand it was a little bit of like, you know, humor and a little, some of the characterizations were a little over the top. But I liked that small town. So yeah. when the gremlins were trashing it <laughs> and everyone's laughing in the theater, I go, what the hell are y'all laughing at? It's just this is horrific. Yeah. Well, you're a good citizen, Dave. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I mean, now I get it and I I find I, I laugh a lot more than than I did then. For me, I was just kind of like, these things are little bastards. What what's everybody laughing about? I just didn't get it because I liked that town. Yeah. Um, but even then, even when I saw it in the theater in 84, I knew that speech with Phoebe Cates and her father, I knew that was a special moment. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it's a uh, very impactful. 
but you know the movie is just fun also and you know and you know back to our christmasy ratings i just love how it's so snowy and it's you know it's that universal back lot you know square and it just feels so all american and you know it's just kind of that warm fuzzy christmasy norman rockwell kind of thing and then to disturb that then with these outlandish little bastards as you put it like yeah it's uh (laughs) I don't know. The Perfect. only one I didn't mind was, um, uh, oh God, I can't remember the actress's name now. The one who played Flo in Alice. Oh yes. Uh huh. I can't remember her name now, but I didn't mind her getting her comeuppance. Yeah, she, yeah, she, and she did a great job. And that's a really crazy scene, actually, when she gets it. It is, yeah, with with that seat on the, yeah, yeah. that that uh, that seat on the steps. Yeah, that was insane. All right. Well, that will. Uh... Bring us to kind of an end of a short episode of Horror Movie Podcast. It's rare that we come in under an hour. Have we ever come in under an hour? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe it might be a little over an hour once you throw some clips in here. But yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is a first. Uh, probably first for our Christmas. This yeah. might be the shortest of our Christmas episodes. Well, you know, the there was a time when Amazon Prime was just flooded with Christmas horror movies. But... You know, maybe this is one of the positive side effects of the pandemic. <laughs> right. Do a little budget Christmas horror movies made this year, but I don't know. I mean, I, I still am I'm hopeful that we'll continue to get some good ones because we've had a few very strong years, and uh, I think it's a fun place to explore. It's a fun setting in which to. Explore. It is, and the challenge is out there because people still look to the original. They go back to Black Christmas, 1974, yeah. as we see in our poll, as the best. Just like with Jaws, with shark movies, that yep. you know that there's that the bar has been set. Well, and is anybody going to take it on? And Chris Peckover did, with yep. Better Watch Out, and and I think he approached it. Um, I think Christmas Horror Story is a movie that gets better each time I see it. I like that one quite a bit as well. It's just every the challenges out there. What, you know, any ideas? I, I'm really anxious. People should keep making Christmas horror movies, and I, I I'm I just want to see if anybody can approach that. If anybody can make a classic, then everyone says, "Hey, we finally have the new Black Christmas." You know, I I just rewatched Krampus again with a friend this year, and it was. You know, I well, I was pretty harsh on it originally because mm-hmm. uh, it just it didn't have all the Krampusy things I wanted in. I thought you're making a movie called Krampus. Let's go full Krampus, and Krampus isn't in the movie that much as much as you would want, you know. And when we do see Krampus, there's so many really truly horrific, um, like Krampus cosplay going on in Bavaria, like in all over Austria and stuff. Right. If you ever look up like a Krampus knocked parade, you'll see some terrifying beasts. Um, the one in actually Silent Night or uh, Christmas Horror Story looks great. Actually, that looks closer to what um, people do in these cosplay, you know, dressing up as Krampus. But um, nice. but yeah, I mean, the movie just didn't have quite enough Krampus in it for me. I thought it was fine, but I was like, OK, I'm ready for a sequel, you know, and, and I didn't love all the little, um, you know, gremlinsy kind of things with the gingerbread men. They felt like they were out of Shrek and a lot of the family Christmas humor felt very um kind of redundant like it was very heavily based on um national lampoon's christmas vacation and it was and the one difference with one difference the characters in krampus most of them are not likable no you get a couple of them that you connect to the young boy and a couple more but for the most part these are not likable characters you almost want to see krampus yeah yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, for sure. And well, well, I guess what I was going to say is those were all my original complaints with it, but it has grown on me over the years. Yeah, and me too. I enjoy it as well. Those types of nitpicks uh, kind of fall away when you when you watch something every year. You know, like yeah. you're just like, well, I'm just back here to enjoy these characters in this in this place, and um, it's fun. Adam Scott's great in it, and yeah, the, the child performances are good, which is rare. So that's those nice. Sorry, excuse my yawning. Um, I guess it's time to turn in and dream of sugar pump fairies. So we'll bring uh, this episode of Horror Movie Podcast to an end. But we hope everyone has a happy holiday season. Stay warm out there. Um, and uh, we will see you soon in the new year. We're going to do our top 10 horror movies of 
2021. It's going to be a slow. It's going to be hard this year. It's going to be hard for me. It's going to be tough. And I think we're going to have to, I I don't want to commit to this till like the end of the month to the end of January, because I need to see a lot of movies. Well, we do have these lost episodes. Hopefully you've been enjoying those as they're coming out. And uh, we've got a couple more of those to come out. And we will do a new episode as well, but as Dave said, we'll we'll wait until we're re- good and ready. We're not gonna, we're not going to rush it. We want to make sure we see all of the movies yeah. um, from 2021 that are worth our time. So it will we will do it, and as soon as we do, um, we will do a post at horrormoviepodcast.com. How you, the listener, can also vote for the listeners list, and we will put announcements. Probably on the HMP Twitter and Dave's Facebook is probably the best places you're going <laughs> to find yep. those. Um, yep. But uh, but just check it, horrormoviepodcast.com, if you want to participate in our lists. Those will go – you know what? I'll, I will do that post in January regardless of when we end up recording our episodes. So okay. uh, go to horrormoviepodcast.com, look at our post. There will be a blog post so that you can vote in the, your – Top 10 horror movies of 2021. If you would also like to wait a little while, um, we won't penalize you, but we will uh, put the end date on there. Uh, the date that Dave feels like he's ready to record the episode, essentially. <laughs> so, right, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm committing myself once um, from this point forward, it's all 2021 horror for me. So I will be ready to go by the end of January. Okay. Okay. By the so, time that the rest of the lost episodes have been posted, yeah. I should be ready to go with the best of 2021. Okay. Sounds good. And then we will also, if you missed it in our last episode, I did mention we will resume the Horror Olympics in the new year as well. So we yes. will release those as well. We have one uh, recorded, all uh, actually. That brings us to the end of the ninth annual christmas edition of horror movie podcast we thank you all for joining us we thank you for sticking with us through a couple really tough years not just for us but for everybody of course and you know it's it's been a struggle to get the show out there we are committed to it so thank you for sticking with us we really appreciate you and we hope to have a lot of interaction with you in the coming year starting with our top 10 movies of 2021 which as we've kind of figured out here live we will put up a post at horrormoviepodcast.com where you can vote for your favorite horror movies, your top 10, and that will go into a collected listener list, which we will read when the hosts do their top 10 lists of 2021, which will uh, voting will conclude at the end of January 2022. So participate in that. It should be fun. You can find links to everything we do at horrormoviepodcast.com. Check out the show notes. Uh, there are links to each of the hosts and their personal social media accounts, as well as the social media accounts for the show proper, as well as all of our friends, including composer Kagan Breitenbach, who we love so much. And we want to thank for his Christmas rendition of the Horror Movie Podcast theme song, as well as the Screaming Online segment music. Kagan is a great friend of the show. Find more of his work at KaganBreitenbach.com, as well as his music project, Bloody Cabaret, which you can find on YouTube as well as other places where you get music. But definitely check out the YouTube. It's awesome. There's video to go along with the music. It's really well done. Shout out to Kagan. You can also find links to our t-shirts. Get yourself a horror movie podcast t-shirt and show you're part of the crew. We're always so proud when we get photos from our listeners going to a horror movie in the theater or going to a horror convention with some famous horror icon. It makes us warm and fuzzy inside. And our hoodies will keep you warm and fuzzy as well. Lots of great stuff coming your way in the new year. Merry Christmas. Happiest of holidays. We wish you a happy new year from your friends at Horror Movie Podcast, where we are dead serious about horror movies.